टी हेल्थ शो योर मेरिकल लाइफ स्टाइल पॉडकास्ट ब्रोट टू यू बाय दी क्लिनिक Good morning I'm Dr. Mark this is for Tea Health show and um we continuing our discussions on mental health um as part of our women's month and I've invited uh Nikki Roberts a nutritionist and functional practitioner to join us on the show Nikki welcome Thank you so much Mark um Nikki and I often overlap on uh, another show that we do called Real Health so if you want to see a little bit more about what it is that we both do go and take a look at Real Health on the home channel 176 um as always sister Elise van Art and our producer Simpiwe um Nikki we over the past couple of weeks we discussed mental health issues in in women and sister elise actually came up with the idea okay how does nutrition affect mental health do you want to, do you want to start us off on that yeah and it's it's quite an interesting topic because you don't typically think of what you eat as affecting your brain although we know that when we have a you know caffeine in the morning cup of coffee our brains seem to switch on so there's definitely mm. a connection between what we what we consume and how we think <laughs> but we don't really tie in depression anxiety ocd you know all of these kind of mental health issues which we're seeing so much more of lately in fact i think they've always been there but now i think people are more comfortable talking about it and they're looking for help more so we're seeing more of it mm. um but we don't really tie it back to what we eat yet it is intrinsically connected it's connected because when we start focusing on eliminating certain foods from our diets and putting in other things that we know are good for our brains people feel different and it's not to say there's no place for medicine there's obviously a place for medicine you can't you know i see so many people in my practice who say i'm on a basket of meds i want to go off them you can't go off them you can't just go cold turkey there's a place for these but there's also a place to go what am i also to- putting into my brain that's causing toxicity um where i could be helping myself more and ov- eventually over time working with my doctor coming off some of these meds and getting to a place where i'm fully functional and i'm feeling better and i'm on the bare minimum you know when it comes to medication so uh, you know what i think one of the things that we have to establish right off the bat yeah is the but uh, the gut brain connection yeah um your gut and your brain is connected directly with one another through two different systems you have your um endocrine um or your enteric nervous system and this is these are your nerve cells mm-hmm. now if we take um that neurons in the brain you have about 100 billion but just in your gut directly connected to the brain is more than 500 <clears throat> million neurons mm-hmm. and whatever happens in the gut is directly linked to the brain so that's just the one part and the next part is the biochemical part where you produce neurotransmitters and hormones and other chemicals in the gut that affects the brain and what people don't know is 90% of your serotonin mm. which is the feel good hormone mm. which is low or depleted in things like anxiety and depression comes out of your gut it's manufactured in your gut and and third thing 
is your immune system. Your immune system matures in, in your gut. So anything that creates an immune response in the gut um, creates an inflammatory response in the rest in the, of the body and definitely also in the brain. And you mentioned things like ADD and depression and anxiety, but um, what people don't know is that um, Parkinson's and specifically Alzheimer's is directly um, related to inflammatory conditions that stems from your gut. Yeah, and it is bidirectional. So your brain signals your gut and your gut is signaling your brain. They're talking all the time. And now we're talking about a, a gut-heart-brain axis as well because there's a feeling component that's going on there. Yes, I, I'm glad that you say that because we've often referred to the gut as the second brain, that gut feeling yeah. that you get about uneasiness or excitedness. Um, your gut is actually the one that's telling the brain, this is how I'm feeling. So if, if you go onto a stage and you feel a little bit queasy, it's because of the hormones and stuff that's released from, from uh, the gut that affects the brain. Nikki, please explain. Mm. So, you know, Exactly what you just said. So when you have a, it's it's really tied into your fight. So it's not the physical heart; it's the feeling. It's a feeling, but I mean, we we can't really separate feelings from what goes on in in the heart, in the heart center, in the chest. But this is really tied into that fight, flight, freeze okay. situation. I think all of us find ourselves in more and more, and this is tied up with anxiety. So you know, when we are feeling anxious or we're feeling nervous or we're feeling frightened and we can't really pin it on something, this is going to affect our digestive system. In turn, it's going to create physical symptoms. It's going to create IBS. It's going to create all these irritable bowel situations that people complain about more and more nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's going to impact our ability to sleep. So if we're making serotonin in the gut, we're also not making or we are making to an extent melatonin in the gut. So it's going to affect how we sleep. If we're not sleeping well, we're going to wake up tired. We're going to be craving sugars. We're going to be eating the wrong thing. We're going to be going for that croissant and coffee first thing in the morning. We're going to be filling our bodies with seed oils, which is creating an, an inflammatory state. I, I, I want us to circle back to, yeah. to that seed oil because, you know what, I, I wish you guys can hear the discussions off air. Um, we learn something new every day. Mm. Um, before we go into the food groups, which ones are good for you and which yeah. ones are bad, um, I, th I think speak to us a little bit about the microbiome because yeah, yeah. We, it's, it's a word that's thrown about. Now, exactly. in, in our practice, um, Cecilie, you and I use it every single day exactly, with every yeah. single patient. Um, Sampiwa, you've, you've heard us talk about yes. the microbiome extensively, but I don't think a lot of people actually understand what it is. So it's an ecosystem in our bodies, which takes up more space in our body than I think anything else does. So our gut is so central to our being, starts in our mouth and it ends in the toilet. And right through that passageway, we've got a collection of, um, well, bacteria, we've got cells, we've got communication cells, we've got neurons, we've got factories that make our our brains work. We've got factories that make our hormones produce. So there's so much going on in this in this system, which encompasses 
um, just our digestive system to begin with and our excretory system to begin with. But that is responsible for so much. You know, everything in the body is connected. There isn't one system in the body that isn't talking to another system. And that's magical, but it's also scary in a way because what we're putting into the system Generally speaking, for most people, they don't even know what they're putting into their systems. You know, we, we go into a shop and we buy something that is perceived as good for you. It looks healthy. It's got all the right words on the label. But meanwhile, in there, if you don't know what you're looking for, you could be poisoning yourself. You know, but I almost want to equate it to global warming. <laughs> um, what, what we put in is what, um, yeah. is what the body is going to the put emissions. out. Think of Think about that. Precisely. Um, if, if you create global warming, the weather changes. And then we have hurricanes and wildfires and blah, blah, blah. And exactly the same happens in your gut. If you're putting the wrong stuff into the atmosphere, which is your gut, you're going to change the environment, mm. which is leading to global warming in your gut. And basically. so many of us are used to feeling suboptimal. So we used to heartburn and indigestion. We used to bloating. We used to having headaches. And we think, well, that's a function of aging. It's a function of, it's just being human. We're so used to feeling that way, we don't realize there's another way. We also don't realize it's actually directly connected to our hands, what we put in our mouths and what we're eating, thinking that we're doing the right thing because, well, we saw this on social media that eating such and such a food is actually okay or we go into a shop, you know, a well-known grocery store and it's labeled in such a way that it looks good for you. But what if your body can't break down raw vegetables? Not today. What if something's going on that you can't digest chickpeas, which are supposed to be good for you? What if you can't break down these fats, which are supposed to be good for you? So not everything works for everybody all the time. And I yeah. think it's really important to realize that as we go through life, we have different needs. Our bodies require different things. So learning to tune into what our bodies require and being really sensitive to what our bodies are asking for. And they're not asking you for sugar. And they're not asking you for caffeine. That is a response to stress. That's a response to not sleeping properly. That's a response to not you know, being able to sit boundaries in your life. When you can't set boundaries and you're always aggravated and you're annoyed with people you work with, that, and, and we go and we, we self-medicate. We self-medicate with chocolate. We feel better in the short term because we're making serotonin because our guts know what to do with that. But in the long term, we're creating a huge inflammatory response. Yes, because of the, the sugar. Um, it's actually interesting. Um, when I did some social media for this week, we spoke about um, the – different kinds of nutrients mm. that that you need. And, and you know, it was the omegas, which you get from your oily fish, and then there's the fibers, which gives you your short-chain fatty acids, butyrate, propionate, and lactic acid. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have those phenols. Now, um, the phenols contains cacao, uh, cacao. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a chocolate mm -hmm. is good, but if you only if you eat the right chocolate. Exactly. Um, and then Isn't the, that supposed to be dark chocolate? It is supposed to be dark chocolate. And I think Nikki is going to tell us exactly how dark it needs to be because yeah, when it comes dark. to above 85%, <laughs> it's not chocolate, then it's just bitter. It's horrid, but that you'll never overdo that chocolate, but you'll get that brain feedback really quickly. So you eat your 85% pure cacao and your brain goes, yay, this is doing it for me, but I don't want any more than just one piece because it doesn't taste very good. But that's what your brain's really after. It's looking for that nutrients. 
So we go hunting for it in a five star and we're eating three five stars a day. It was like, it's just it getting tastes little, good. It's amazing <laughs> because these foods have been engineered to settle fireworks in your brain and yeah. they're telling you, yeah, this is feeling amazing. It's giving you a short term gratification. Long term, it's making you feel miserable. Yeah. But we don't know that until you figure it out and do it a different way. And then you go, ah, now I know what I'm doing. So, you know what, Nikki, I, I don't know if you agree with me that sugar mm. is the most common drug and probably one of the most dangerous drugs um, Definitely. that we as humans face because which person doesn't like sugar? Yeah, no, everyone likes sugar. Now, when you know, when, when I've got clients come to me and they say, I don't eat sugar, what they really mean is they don't put sugar in their coffee or they don't go and eat a chocolate every day, but there's sugar in everything. There's sugar in processed foods. There's sugar in breads. There's sugar in sauces. Sugar is hiding everywhere. And we sugar's in alcohol. Sugar's in everything. And this is the underlying issue of most lifestyle diseases today, is the amount mm -hmm. of sugar we think we're not eating. That's hiding in places. And until you start breaking down, you know, when I first started on this journey, I um, I suffered with obesity or with, with an eating disorder most of my life. I could go from 80 kilos to 40 kilos quite easily. I could lose weight really fast, but I did it the wrong way. And I followed diets. I went to way less when I was 10 years old because I, I was convinced, even at 10 years old, that I was overweight. I wasn't. My mom had a, had a body dysmorphic problem as well. She was bulimic. So I come from a family where food was, it was, a, it was an issue. And one day in my 20s when I was hutful of all the diets and all the, the, the pills and the injections and the endocrinologists and all the stuff and it wasn't working, I went into the pantry and I took everything out and I opened a spreadsheet on my laptop and I documented the sugar content of every item in, in the kitchen. And I was absolutely shocked to find how much sugar was in everything. And then I created a plan for myself. I went, okay, I'm not going to eat more than two grams of sugar per 100 grams. Okay, which was extreme. It's more of a ketogenic type of diet. Didn't know what I was doing in those days. It was before I studied nutrition. And I made a point of eating at least 20 grams of protein per meal, per 100 grams. And for the first time in my life, I lost weight really quickly and effectively and healthily. So I put on muscle instead of just losing muscle. Yeah. I put on muscle. I burned fat. My thyroid corrected itself. I wasn't I – mean, it fixed so many things. I came off Prozac. That, you know, It really fixed my brain. And I realized for the first time when I broke it down how much sugar is hiding in places we think are healthy. And this is where the problem is. Sugar is invading our lives because we're depending on restaurants and supermarkets and food manufacturers to feed us because we think we don't have time to sit and prepare meals. We've lost that ability or we think that it's going to be done fine by somebody else. And it's really not. You only have to look at how mental illness is it's skyrocketing, even in children. You know, obesity levels, diabetes. So if we look at obesity uh, statistics <laughs> at the moment, I think 28% um, of children under the age of five is overweight or obese. If, we, if we look at... Uh, children between 5 and 18, that figure goes up to 40%. And if we look at adults now, 18 and over, 
the statistics in 2016 of overweight and obesity. Overweight, 42%. Obese, 16%. That makes more than half of the world's population. And it's actually growing fastest in, in developing countries mm. like um, all over Africa, um, India, etc., etc., because of the readily availability right. of processed foods, processed foods mm-hmm. which contains sugars, salts, and fats. Exactly. Because and it, is, it tastes nice. It tastes nice. And they, these foods are engineered to trick our brains into thinking we're never satisfied. We always need more. So our brains are really good at knowing when to stop if we're eating real food. So if you had to go out and hunt for your food and, and kill something, not that we're going to do that. Some people do. And, you, I mean, if you had to go to O'Brien eat a 300-gram rump steak, would you even finish the thing? No. You, you, you would know when to stop because your brain says it's enough. I'm full. But you go along to a takeout burger place and you order a double cheeseburger and fries and perhaps a Coke or a milkshake with that. You're going to have some of that burger and it's really salty. And then you're going to have this craving to wash it down with something sweet. And magically, your appetite resets itself. So eating the salt and the sweet and the fattiness together resets the brain over and over and over again to want more and more. And suddenly you've finished this enormous burger and the fries and the milkshake because your brain is constantly being and then you want triggered. A to waffle reset. with ice cream. Oh, then you re- there's always room for dessert because of course, darling, constantly <laughs> triggered to reset. And this is engineered this way. It's created on purpose so that we consume more. It's actually, it's, it's, it's insane when you start thinking, yeah, that's exactly how it works. I mean, you go to the movies and you put some chuckles in your popcorn. You can eat that whole box, you know, but this is how it's engineered. We engineered when we create sweet and salty and fatty together to want more and more and more. And over time, our brain's ability to know when to stop, our natural ability to know when to stop completely cuts off. And we start doing this with kids from the age of two or even younger and stopping their brains from knowing when to stop. So Terrifying. basically what you're working on is you you stopping the function of hormones like leptin and ghrelin. ghrelin. Yes. Yes, those natural hormones that tell you when you fall and when you're hungry, we are skewing that information. We're skewing that trigger or that 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 natural way that the brain knows when to stop. We are not meant to be overweight. That's not the natural state of the human body. But when we start playing with all those triggering signals in the brain, and when you eat these foods, it's disrupting that um, neurotransmitter production in the gut. Yes, because... I just wanted to ask now, how Hmm. does that then progress to mental illness? So that's impacting our production of of serotonin and of things like melatonin in the gut, so we're not going to sleep well. And very often we're eating these things too late at night, so we're not going to get enough restorative, restful sleep. We're going to wake up tired. We're going to wake up in a bad mood. We're going to go for the first thing that makes us feel good, which is a high-carb, high-sugar, high-caffeine kind of meal first thing in the morning, and we're setting ourselves up to crave sugar all day. Now, what usually happens for most people when we do this is we have an energy and a mood slump at around 11 o'clock in the morning and again about 3, 4 in the afternoon. That's is, when is the wheels fall off. Is this because of um, the amount of insulin that's suddenly yes, released? Precisely. Insulin takes that glucose that you've just put in, the sugars that you've just put yes. into your body. 
move it out of a cell in, or out of the blood into the cell, creating a hypoglycemia. Exactly. And suddenly your liver needs to kick in to make glycogen and um, the brain suddenly starts triggering and says, um, people, people, I'm starting to starve, feed That's me. That's it, the brain is starving. So when we start the day like that, we are starving our brains and we're getting skewed signals right through the day. Come four o'clock, you want the wine, you want the chips, you I want, want the biscuits. I wine in any case. Exactly. <laughs> we won't talk about alcohol today. But um, it, it stops us from being able to make good choices through the day. And I mean, to unpick that and unpack it, it's actually quite easy if you know what to do. So, Nikki, what are the most common nutritional conditions as relating to mental health? So, I, I know that um, for children specifically mm. with epilepsy, you go with a high-fat diet, a keto, sure. a, a keto diet, mm-hmm. um, which we can talk about. Yeah. But that's a, a, a physical neurological condition. Yes. When we look at the mental conditions, here we know uh, children maybe ADHD mm-hmm. um, and, and um, sugar, mm-hmm. definitely a bad sure. combination. Mm-hmm. But for women, let's, mm-hmm. let's take a look at women and the hormonal cycles throughout life. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have your menstrual cycle, which I still don't understand. Um, I'm, I'm surrounded <laughs> in my it. office. I'm surrounded by seven women. So, oh, no. um, um, oh, dear. Two of them postmenopausal and the other all very still menstrual um, on a continuous basis. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go in there. And then in our practice, we deal a lot with perimenopause and postmenopause. Um, the mental health conditions there, what we see, cystine is anxiety, depression. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, sexual dysfunction. Irritability, sexual dysfunction. Mm. How does food mm. and nutrition mm. relate to that? And what can we do mm. to, you know, I know it's a roller coaster, but how can you turn it into? Uh, as more of a, a, a less up and downy sure. spiraly ride. Very right. simple. Women are afraid of eating protein and they're afraid of eating fats because we think that protein is going to make us look like Schwarzenegger and we think that fats are going to make us fats. And it couldn't be further from the truth. So the way to balance the, the thing that makes us overweight and grumpy and hormonal and miserable is unstable glucose levels. So when our glucose is doing a roller coaster through the day because we are self-medicating with sugar, we are going to be storing fat and we're going to be disrupting our neurological cycles. Okay, so I want to go to the glucose part. Mm. Um, People think glucose is sugar. Yes. Actually, it's carbohydrates, which is all your carbohydrates. It can include fruit, vegetables, blood, dairy. All of those got carbohydrates in it. Everything has carbs. So just chat to us a little bit about the difference between good carbs and bad carbs. Okay, good. So highly processed carbohydrates, which don't resemble how they do in nature, is, is, is kryptonite. That's the thing we've got to really minimize if you're battling with any kind of mental health issue, body fat issue, body dysmorphic issue, inflammatory issue, autoimmune issue, in fact, any lifestyle disease, that is the thing we have to wean from our diets and have them on you know, the bare minimum, on the rare occasion, okay? 
everything contains, unless it's pure fat or pure protein, so a piece of salmon or a piece of steak or like uh, olive oil, that, those are the exceptions. Everything else is a source of carbohydrates. And glucose and carbohydrates are necessary in a healthy, balanced diet. Absolutely. But not to the extent that we think they should be. So a little bit in each meal, absolutely. Otherwise, your moods are going to tank as well. So you do need carbohydrates. It's not to say carbs are bad. In fact, there's no bad food. There's only real food and junk food or, or frankenfoods. You know, there's, there's real food. So if we focus on real foods, which is as nature intended, which is a range of fruits and vegetables, that said, fruit is created by nature to feed animals just before winter so they put on body fat so they survive. If we eat too much fruit, we also put on body fat. So which fruits should we avoid? I know grapes and bananas. Don't For sure. say that. I know grapes no. and bananas. Grapes. I, I know we need to avoid those. But yes. how about your, your berries, pineapple? Pineapple, not too bad. It's lower in sugar. So your tropical fruits tend to be more high in sugar. But then you get the benefit of, say, you know, your digestive enzymes and things like pineapple. From pineapple. But you're not going to go eat a whole pineapple. You have a piece of pineapple with your protein. You haven't seen Stefan. I know. I can eat a whole pineapple as well. I say that. But, you know, eat a whole mango. And this is a problem. People go, well, it's a mango. Isn't it better than chocolate? No. If you look at the sugar content of eating a whole mango, you may as well eat a one. It's the same sugar, and it's doing the same thing to you. So if we eat protein with our carbs, we're balancing that, gla that glycemic response. If okay. we're adding a little bit of healthy um, anti-inflammatory fats to that meal, we are further um, managing that glycemic response. So it's knowing when to eat what and how. That said, if you don't, do not have an obesity issue, if you don't have diabetes, you can get away with eating a lot more fruit. If you're an active athlete, if you're a, a growing child who doesn't have eczema, ADHD, you know, obesity issues, yes, fruit is a better choice for you, but it's not a good choice for everybody all the time, depending on what you're dealing with. So which of the – everyone tells you you have to have five <laughs> servings of fruits and vegetables per day. For sure. It's impossible to do that. So which ones mm. should we be looking for okay. or, or going to, especially – as something that will help with managing glucose mm. um, and insulin levels mm. and lowering inflammation. Okay. So I think, you know, the five servings of fruits and vegetables a day is a nice general way of getting people to eat more whole food. It's thoroughly impractical. Okay. And there's a lot of people who can't digest raw things anyway. I mean, so there are many people with IBS and autoimmune issues that when they eat vegetables, most vegetables, especially raw vegetables, they flare up. Now, I, I'm like that with broccoli, which I love, but mm. my I, my uh, diverticulosis yes. is do triggered by broccoli and uh, definitely tomato. Precisely. I can't do any kind of tomato. Exactly. And we're told we should do this because our guts need fiber. Yes, our guts need fiber. They need a diversity of fiber. They don't need a volume of fiber. So there's there's there's... There's subtleties within that advice. I don't believe we should be having five to six servings of fruit and vegetables every day. Fabulous. I'll have five servings of mango. There it is. But that's not what they're trying to get across. What we're looking for is diversity. So what we want is to find a range of low-sugar fruits, predominantly vegetables. I'd say if a person is healthy and they don't have diabetes or a blood sugar issue, one serving of fruit today is more than adequate, and that's low-sugar fruits. So that's your berries not really citrus. More apples and berries are your lowest sugar fruits. Which apples? Green. Green apples. Green apples. It's not the red and the, the granny. It's higher in sugar. 
And it's definitely not the golden delicious. No, but if you're going to have... the pink lady apples, but covet sweet. Yeah, but if you have that, but you have a stick of bultong first, you'll probably be fine. Okay? So that bultong, that protein is going to manage your sugar response to that apple. So, so if combine food combined, groups. Combine food groups. And there was such a, you know, for a long time we were told, don't combine these things. Our guts can't manage it. It can't break down. You know, don't combine foods. It's absolute nonsense. Our gut is really adept if you have, you know, a healthy digestive system, which is another issue. You know, if you don't have a healthy digestive system and your, your, your sort of acidity levels in your gut isn't adequate, you're not going to make that neurochemistry anyway. So we've got to sort of adjust for that and make sure you can break down what you're eating right at the top, just as you've swallowed it. Is the gallbladder working correctly? Ah, is there a, you and know? that's Sister Elise's pet project is as, the gallbladder. And as because we age, this is the first thing that hits the – it's like it doesn't work. It's like, well, because we – yeah, it's a natural function of aging. And, you know, the gallbladder stops creating – that this acidity in the enzymes that we need to break down our food. So what do we do? We stop eating protein because we think red meat's the problem. That's not the problem. We've got to fix that whole digestive system from the way we chew and the enzymes that are created in the saliva first. And then we've got to create, you know, make sure that bile is producing correctly so that the gut can break down everything. What what we see in our practice, Sister Elise, is so often that people had a gallbladder removed. Oh, and, disaster. you know, now they start battling with cholesterol levels. Yes. Or they had high cholesterol levels and they get gallstones. Yeah. Yes, true. Yeah. 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 Um, and then also it impacts your estrogen metaboli- met- metabolites. Metabolites, yes. Um, that's the things that it stunned me when I learned that. Yeah. But I'm still going back to you talking about neurotransmitted, neurochemicals, neuro. How does it influence? Our mental health. Okay. So if we're not making those neurotransmitters, if we're not making adequate levels of serotonin in the gut, we're going to feel depressed and miserable and tired, and we're going to be craving sugar. And that escalates to major de- exactly. uh, disorders. Major depressive disorders over time. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't just happen tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a process. <clears throat> if, you know, when I see new clients, and I, I always say to them, you know, what the, what's the problem? What The problem is I have heartburn or I have, um, who knows, whatever the diagnosis is. And I always say to them, what happened five years ago? What happened 10 years ago? Mm. So almost always we can, tra- we can trace it back to some traumatic event. That's interesting. Yeah. Everything mm. is linked to a traumatic event. Almost everything is connected to some major trauma or, or a collection of small traumas. Mm-hmm. So we don't think that you know, losing your job, um, having a little car accident, et cetera, et cetera, those things all add up. And if we don't consider them and process them and work with them, eventually sure. that becomes a trauma in the body and that leads to um, <laughs> the fight-flight system in the mm. brain. And Absolutely. Overreacting it's, it's to everything. Everything is – basically everything boils down to management of stress. Precisely. Um, everything comes down to that. Because stress is good for us in small amounts and when it's acute and goes away because it prepares the body to fight or flee. Yeah. The problem is, and we've spoken about this, and at least we speak about this in the office every single day with most patients, um, stress becomes chronic, just load shedding, sitting in traffic, uh, economics, et cetera, et cetera. Your, your acute daily eustress now suddenly becomes um, 
long-term distress, which leads to chronic stress. Yes. And that stress releases cortisol. Mm-hmm. And the cortisol releases glucose and it pushes up your blood pressure. If you have more glucose, you're going to start producing more insulin. Mm. Insulin is pro-inflammatory. Mm. Um, and, you know, but now you set off that mm. in- inflammatory cascade mm. and suddenly, you know what, you start craving because of a dopamine response and now it becomes a circle. And, and it's know, vicious. And, you know, if you're in it, you, you can't end, get out. That's right. Where do, you, where do you stop the cycle? Now, everybody that, not everybody, but I'd say 90% of these people suffering with this gallbladder issue, I'd like to know out of all of those women or men, how many of them are waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning? All of them or nearly all of them because their cortisol is turning on too soon. Cortisol's elevated, what goes up, you know, when the cortisol's elevated and we're waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and we're waking up exhausted and we're going for sugar, what happens when that insulin increases is it's suppressing testosterone. When we're suppressing testosterone, we're not building muscle and it's throwing everything else out. When we're living in a place of fight-flight and that starts in the pituitary gland, that pituitary gland is governing the way the thyroid works and it's Mm -hmm. governing the way our metabolism functions. And when that is being pushed out of its regular cycle. It's going to affect all of our hormones. It's a downward cascade. So we're becoming estrogen dominant. We're becoming, we're suppressing. I mean, how many men, young men, do you see? You must see hundreds of them mm. with suppressed testosterone. Absolutely. And elevated glucose. Because uh, we're emotional living problems and erectile dysfunction. Precisely. But, you know, but what we see in women as well is um, earlier yeah. and earlier, younger and younger, Women are starting with perimenopause. At least you agree. I agree. And PCOS. Yes, PCOS is epidemic. It's a a metabolism disorder. disorder. And is it linked to diet? Very much. Look, there are certain people who have PCOS where they are healthy, they're in shape, their insulin levels Mm. are normal, their glucose is normal. That is a completely different. But then you've got to also look at what happened 10 years, five years prior. And you almost always find some major incident that was never dealt with and a whole lot of other small incidents that were never we, – we just we – di- we push them under the rug and we carry on because we have to. Yeah. But unless we deal with these things, it's going to come up in your body somewhere. Mm. And this is almost all autoimmune. I mean, why are we seeing so much autoimmune? Because we're not dealing with life. Absolutely. And autoimmune, again, it's um, – a dysregulation of your immune system and what I cannot stress enough is all your immune cells, whether it be um, your white blood cells, T helper cells, beta cells, mast cells, whatever, all of those mm. mature in the gut yeah. where they are exposed to uh, foreign bacteria, viruses, fungi, Mm. um, you know, you name it, in order for them to learn what is beneficial and what is not, what is pathogenic, what should I react to? Um, And it's that dysregulation that happens that puts the body under chronic inflammation. And here we start seeing your um, neurological inflammatory conditions, which is Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, and dementia. We are seeing your other autoimmune conditions, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, systemic lupus, Mm. uh, skin conditions, eczema, psoriasis, all of those. Um, And it's because of that inflammation. The 
the seriousness for me about nutrition and mental wellness mm. is you you tend to either overeat when you're depressed or you undereat and not feeding the brain what it needs and actually guys the brain doesn't need sugar it needs fat mm-hmm. um and it needs protein and mm. uh, those are the things that you don't want all of us vacillate towards comfort food that stuff that made us feel good because of a dopamine reaction It's emotional first aid for for me it was macaroni my mother's macaroni and cheese um <laughs> Uh, and you know what it was full of carbohydrates mm. and it was full of fats and it was full of salts mm. and it just made you feel yummy mm. and better mm. so um what are the other mental health conditions sister Elise, that you think we we should be addressing okay I, i want to go back to the serotonin that's mm. been manufactured in your gut 90% of it Mm. Now, what Now, I've it's actually manufactured <coughs> by the micro <coughs> microbes the microbiome yeah, yeah the bacteria so I want to know, and, and I know that if you take enough fibers, you produce more serotonin, and serotonin It switches on your happy hormone, dopamine, etc. Yeah. Am I right? It actually, Nikki, I hope if I'm right, your tryptophanes are turkey, eggs, yes. um, those kind of stuff. So your high-fat, high-protein foods. Ne- Avocados would it's also actually fit amino in. acids. So when we're eating enough protein, we are <coughs> breaking them down to amino acids, and those are the raw material for making serotonin. But okay. back from that, you know, we've all heard of leaky gut. So mm. what is leaky gut? It is when... You know the, the the cell lining in the intestine in the gut is leaking, so separating, it's separating. Yeah. So if you think of those cells as I always like to call them mosaic tiles, and the grouting between those mosaic tiles gets broken down, and why is it getting broken down? It's getting broken down because we are putting chemically laden foods through our bodies, and we're putting you know, alcohol and pharmaceuticals, and maybe recreational drugs, and maybe we're smoking, and all of these factors start breaking down that tile grouting between these cells and these cells open up and our immune system now whatever we're eating is literally leaking through into the rest of the body and that's where the immune system gets so confused mm. and it doesn't know what is good what is bad so it just attacks everything so the entire communication system that starts in the gut where things should be in in their boxes are no longer in their boxes so it's chaos in there and we can't make those neurotransmitters anymore because well we're so busy attacking our own body that who's got time to make serotonin so we our brains need serotonin So we go, oh, we need chocolate. Chocolate's going to give you that hit really quickly. So we've got to start by healing up that mucosal layer in the gut and getting things back into where they should be, calming down that immune response, getting retraining the immune system to stop attacking itself, and then we can get on with eating the right amino acids. Amino acids also create a mucosal layer in the in the intestine and you know stop the leaky gut from happening. And this is where protein is so important. I mean, you know, that's why we use glutamine to make which is an amino acid to make a healthy gut lining. And when we can make a healthy gut lining, our healthy bacteria can grow. So we're eating fiber, but if we've got a leaky gut situation going on, that fiber is going to give you IBS and you, 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 you're going to have diarrhea. Yeah. So if we are repairing that the leaky gut situation in the intestine, in the digestive system, and then we're giving you know, prebiotics, post, uh, probiotics in the form of 
food-based products, so not necessarily um, pills. pills. So you're thinking of your fermented foods, fermented foods. Um, which which would be sauerkraut, exactly. kefir, exactly. Uh, maybe some kombucha. Exactly. And you've got to see what works for you. So not everything works for everybody. So mm. if you've got severe leaky gut and you eat sauerkraut, you're probably going to have a tummy ache of note. So again, you've got to fix that situation before you start propagating the gut with the fiber and the enzymes and the fuel for those bacteria to grow so that they can start excreting those neurotransmitters. They literally come from the bacteria. But you've got to create a fertile environment for those bacteria to flourish first and foremost. So it's not about taking a probiotic every day. And there are some brilliant probiotics out there. And the brilliant ones are the ones that seed the gut with the ability to make its own healthy intestinal flora by itself. Uh, so it's it's a hell of a process. You know, you can't just have a stomach ache, feel miserable and go swallow some probiotics and hope that it's going to work. It never works. I actually think that <clears throat> very often probiotics can be more detrimental mm. um, than beneficial, yes. especially if you have SIBO, which is bacterial overgrowth. They, that's and the yeah. SIBO elise to get back to mental health. SIBO is going to give you the wrong neurotransmitters mm -hmm. or neurotransmitters in incorrect ratios and doses, which actually is going to fuel depression and anxiety. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And having <coughs> suffered from SIBO myself and not, I mean, I've tried everything. I tried FODMAPs and all these fancy protocols for fixing SIBO. Nothing works. What works is digestive enzymes. It's getting that gallbladder to work again. Where do we get digestive enzymes? Because we 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 speak about them. Yes, and <laughs> I can't find a either source, a, yeah. a, a good supplement mm, um, for a digestive mm. enzyme. And where do they come from in food? Because if you can digest, you can feed the brain. Yes. So they do come from things like pawpaw, pineapple, but your best, your, your digestive enzymes at work come from bile. So where we're looking at a supplement, you need something with, with bovine bile in it. So betaine HCL, which is ox bile. And when you combine that with... Um, betaine hydrochloride. Mm -hmm. So that is... <coughs> And you know what, Nikki, now that you, that you mentioned that, at least we remember the last time that Divya was here, we, we spoke about the um, problem that we are creating with your protein pump inhibitors, which oh. stops the production of yes. acid. Yes. And if you don't have acid, you can't digest. Yeah. And um, you know what, people all battle with Good um, gastroesophageal yes. reflux. For those of you who don't know, that's heartburn and indigestion. So you've got and a proton pump inhibitor, which sorts it out in the short term, but creates more problems in the long term. Yes. So you have to take your betaine hydrochloride. Yeah. So, if you're so that's a digestive enzyme. Oh, okay, fine. Thank enzyme. you. I learned something new. That's a so if you've got a went to the pharmacy and you got something that said digestive enzymes, but it doesn't have your betaine HCL on it, you're wasting your money. It's not going to work. It's just, you know, don't, don't bother in the first place. It has to have that in it with the other stuff. And if you take it properly and you take it with every meal for two weeks, your SIBO is going to go away. Your GERD is going to go away. Your gallbladder is going to kick in and knows what to do. And everything's going to start coming right. That is so, the first step. Again, it comes down to support the gallbladder, which mm. will support your cholesterol levels, yes. which will support your 
um, energy metabolism, which will support your brain. And when you're supporting your cholesterol, you're making hormones because cholesterol is the food for hormones. Yes, your hormone cascade starts with Okay, cholesterol. so the people that don't have gallbladders anymore, <clears throat> what now? So you've, you've got to live on those, those enzymes. So okay. you've got to do something. So it's something. not a short-term treatment no, then? No, that a, is a long-term treatment. Okay. But it's food-based. It's not a chemical that you're going to be dependent on forever. Okay, I'm just thinking, you know... Um, and I'm thinking back as a child, my dad loved to have some jam or a little bit of syrup with his meat. Yeah. It's not the right things to have, but it's that yes. sweetness with the salty with the protein that mm-hmm. helps with the cravings. It does. That's exactly it, it. It's very interesting. I I read um no, I actually watched a program and it was uh and I saw it in myself. I try to stay away from sugar because, you know, I'm a type 2 diabetic. And uh, <clears throat> when I got the diagnosis and realized that I had to change my lifestyle, I moved over to a more uh, protein, vegetable, salad kind of diet and yeah. kicked out the sweet. Uh-huh. But if I have a protein-rich meal, if we, for instance, have a piece of steak mm. um, with salad mm. five minutes after i've eaten i i can sell my soul for something sweet and what we learned was that because protein is difficult to digest and and protein stays in the stomach longer yeah. the energy required to digest that uh, the body needs to find it somewhere so you start craving a carbohydrate which is quick Yes. Um, easy energy to digest it. So this is again brings back to, you know what, um, it needs to be a balanced, healthy diet because you you uh, digest proteins, carbohydrates, and and, and uh, fats in different ways and in a, a sequence almost. Well, yes, you did. There's there's different enzymes needed to break down the different you know food forms. Absolutely. So what I would do then in that case is make sure that you're eating your steak, but you're eating something like sweet potato with that, some kind of starchy carbohydrate vegetable, but well-cooked veg with that. And that should curtail your craving for sweet things. So you're getting some carb with that. Make sure that those veggies are cooked thoroughly. So is this where you go roasting of your vegetables? Because it brings out that that natural sweetness more exactly. than cooking them. Exactly. So the roasting is 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 a key um, because you are, you're caramelizing a lot of the sugars that are in these vegetables, but you're pairing it with protein. So you, you're not having a glucose response that's enormous. So my rule of thumb is double your protein, halve your carbs and decorate with vegetables. Hmm. So that's, <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's a simple way of doing it. So I'm actually eating okay lunch in any case, which is sushi and cucumber. <laughs> Did you know that sushi, to make sushi rice, you take, well, not all restaurants, but many, many restaurants, especially the, the fast food type of sushi restaurants, they use to make a, a sort of five kilos of sushi rice. You take a kilo of, of, of white rice, a kilo of white sugar, and half a liter of vinegar to make that sushi rice. So every little sushi roll, you're basically eating a tablespoon of sugar. Okay. Well, thank God I don't eat um, – I only eat sashimi, so I'm okay. You're fine then. <laughs> but that's the thing is that we think I know, you know, But we didn't know that. No, we don't know that. We don't know that until you say, well, you see these guys mixing this 
big tub of rice and they're pouring in a bag of sugar and you think, and that you say, why are you putting sugar into the sushi? It's able to make it sticky so that it makes the, the, the little sushi roll. It's like, why aren't you using sushi rice? Because that's too expensive. Because proper sushi rice is sticky rice. So it sticks together anyway. But if you're just using normal rice, you have to add sugar and then you have to add vinegar to stop it being too sweet. So we think we're making a better choice by eating sushi. Meanwhile, we just... Guys, go over to sashimi like I do. Please do. Um, Nikki, we, we fast running out of time. Um, our mental health disorders, I think the most common ones that we have are depression, anxiety, mm. body dysmorphia, mm. and eating disorders, bulimia, anorexia. Mm. And in children, mm. um, you know what, you have your ADDs mm. um, and ADHDs. What are the stuff that we need to add in your diet? Mm. Or let's actually start. What are the things that we need to avoid? We need, we've spoken about sugar. So, yeah. Talk to us about salt and fat. Okay. So, look, salt is necessary. It's an electrolyte. But when you combine salt with seed oils and sugars and processed carbohydrates, it is part of the recipe for disaster. Fats are really important for your brain. Our brains prioritize fats. You know, our brain needs glucose, but we also need fats to run our mm. brains. But we can't be consuming you know, cheese wrapped in bacon and thinking that's, well, that's protein and fat, that's inflammatory fats, okay? So we're needing to consume things like your avocados, which are your highest fiber foods, incidentally. For avocados are just pure fiber wrapped in, in fat. Um, you would never say it because it's squishy. It's squishy. Why would, it, why would yeah. it be fiber? It's highest fiber food you can eat is an <clears> avocado <throat> wrapped in healthy fats. So it's, it's a superfood, really. Um, av- olive oil, as much as you can tolerate. Olive oil, really well-made olive oil is a medicine, Okay, but I you just used a word and I want you to repeat it. Well-made olive oil. Yes. What is well-made olive oil? Okay. So well-made olive oil is <coughs> olive oil that doesn't have any other seed oils combined with it. So, so it's a pure, 100% pure, pure olive, olive oil. oil. So it's a pure olive oil. Is that, what's the difference between virgin olive oil and olive oil? Okay, so in the old days when you – you know, you processed olives. It, your virgin olive oil was your cleanest pressing. So it was the first oil that was extracted yeah. out of the olive. Um, so it didn't have any olive bits in it. Uh, and, you know, your, your other olive oils just had more pulp, olive pulp in it. So there's nothing wrong with a non-virgin olive oil. The problem comes in where that olive oil is mixed up with canola oil, sunflower oil, to make it cheaper. So that is what, what you look for. That's so what you look for. You, you yeah. Buying an olive oil, we know olive oil and things like balsamic vinegar. If you buy decent ones, you can pay an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah, and you shouldn't because if you're buying local, they shouldn't be that expensive, frankly. But still look for a pure olive oil. Yeah, so look for something that's got the SA olive stamp, like a sticker on it. That is really, it's very, it's verified. It's, it's, those are the, the products you should be I, I love watching, watching cooking shows. And one of my favorites is Nigella. And she always <laughs> says, don't use virgin olive oil for this one. A normal olive oil would yeah. do because, you know, what you're changing the flavor. Mm. So cook with olive oil. Actually, a good olive yes. oil, have it with a, a, a teaspoon, a teaspoon of olive oil. It's a great form of omegas. Um, it's brilliant. I mean, that is brain fuel. <clears throat> 
What I can say to parents is please stop buying cereals for your kids. I know it's convenient. I know the mornings are a mission to get kids up and eating something. But you're doing your kids the greatest disservice by giving them cereal in the morning. You may as well give them cake. You know, a muffin is also cake. It's not a health food. but we think Not even a brand muffin. Not even a brand muffin. I mean, it's as much sugar as a piece of chocolate cake. You know, if you really think about it, and that's a shocker. You think, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize that because it's a brand muffin. You know, cereals are, oh, oh, no. I mean, granola? Do, depends on what's in the granola. So if, it's, it's, so if you make it yourself. Make it yourself. There's a recipe in the book for a muesli or granola that is absolutely fine. And you, you, you eat that with some um, Greek yogurt, proper Greek yogurt. Or fermented yogurt. Yeah. Because the stuff that you buy, in, sorry, but stuff that you buy in exactly. Willis and Pick and Pay is not, is yogurts. not yogurt. I mean, flavored yogurts is really melted ice cream. If you look at a, like a kid's little tub of strawberry yogurt and you look at like the, 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 the dairy-made strawberry yogurt, it's the same thing. One's, one's just liquid and one's frozen. It's just the same amount of sugar. And there's no bacteria in there, no healthy bacteria in there. So, so your f- proper fermented yogurt. Stinky yogurt. Yogurt that <coughs> smells sour and tastes a little off, that is proper yogurt. That's where you're getting your probiotics from. So to get kids onto Eggs in the morning. Eggs are a superfood. I mean, eggs are really what we should be eating for breakfast. You know what? And it's actually quite easy. Super um, easy. You take six eggs, boil them, um, leave them in the fridge, yes. and tomorrow's breakfast is exactly. done for a couple of days. Yes, it is that easy. So planning and preparation is going to and save your, your life. Your, that overnight oats? Perfect. So if you're doing real whole oats and you're soaking it in some yogurt, even a little bit of apple juice maybe for the kids, and it's swelling up overnight and you're putting your seeds, your ground seeds and nuts in there, and maybe some berries, some frozen berries on top of that. It's a beautiful breakfast, but it's real food. Okay. You said something that I didn't know. At least I didn't know if you knew this, and that's the seed oils. Mm. Why are they so bad for us? Okay, so we didn't think they were that bad for us. I mean, how bad can it be? But when you actually understand how seed oils are made, you so re- just tell us seed oils. This is your sunflower oil, sunflower oil, canola oil, um, s- uh, uh, sesame seed oil, grapeseed mar- oil, margarines. exactly, grapeseed oil, margarines. Oh, def- margarines are poison. So just let's put that on the table. And mm. that is a highly processed <clears throat> chemical cocktail that Mm. we are spreading on bread. We should be eating butter. So to get oil out of a seed, you need to heat it up and you need to use chemicals. And these chemicals are not things you would normally go and consume. No, it's the stuff you said. It actually is dry cleaning chemicals. And that is what's used to squash squash the seed and extract the oil out of that seed and make it shelf stable. So it stays golden and it stays just like it should be, no matter how much light exposure it gets for months and months, maybe years on end. So the longer your food lives, the shorter your lifespan. So if your food is going to sit in a tin and sit on the shelf for months, for, for, for years, it's going to, and you're going to consume that, that's going to shorten your lifespan. So that's just a rule of thumb. So we shouldn't be consuming seed oils at all. And we didn't think it was such a big deal. But as I, over the years, I've been working with people with chronic gut issues and chronic IBS and depressive and um, anxiety disorders. So we start by taking the gluten out and we start by taking the dairy out. And it works short term, but doesn't work in the long term. Very quickly, all the symptoms come back. But when Mm. we start taking out the seed oils, like magic, people say, well, I, I, I can't believe I'm feeling so well. What are we doing? We're taking out the seed oils. Seed oils are in everything. They are in that lovely so-called healthy seed bread you buy from Woolies every morning. And you think that that's a better choice because it's high fiber and it's not white bread. But it's full of seed oil. 
So that is a problem. Seed oils are hiding in everything and every packaged food that you buy, even if it's a healthier choice, every salad dressing that you're not making yourself is full of seed oil. It's hiding in places like sugar's hiding in places. And that's why, you know, you, you recurring, you're getting these, this indigestion, you're getting the IBS, you're getting the tummy aches, you're getting the headaches and you're not feeling better no matter how many meds you're taking. When you make a point of eliminating those seed oils from your diet, you will feel so much better, you won't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe the results we're getting. Okay, so last one. Mm. Superfoods for brain health. Olive oil, avocados, and oily fish. So salmon, tuna, Sardines, avocado. Pulchards, even your shellfish, like your mussels and things like that. So it doesn't have to be expensive salmon. It could be pulchards. It could be sardines. Quickly, coffee. Coffee, yes. Coffee is really good for your brain, but coffee, too much coffee, coffee late in the day, not good for your brain. Caffeine-free coffee? Not so bad. It's not as not. It's not. Is, which one is better, normal coffee or caffeine-free? Depends on the person. So it depends on an individual and their adrenal system. Chocolate? Dark chocolate, 85%. Mm. 70%? It's okay. Still more 85% better? For your brain, yes. Okay. So cravings, and yeah. if you don't, you actually cannot stomach any fermented food. What then? Then don't eat it. You don't need fermented food. So if you okay. get those enzymes correct and you get the, the sort of the upper part of the stomach, the actual part of the stomach that's breaking down food in line, so you're getting those enzymes and the, the, the stomach acid corrected, you don't have to worry about the fermented food. Okay, thank food. God. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't tolerate fermented food easily. Yeah. I mean, I like it, but my stomach doesn't like it. Mm. So get the enzymes and the acids corrected, and then you're going to be made, and you're getting a little bit of fiber in just to populate the gut, so it can make its own bacteria, healthy bacterial balance, and then you make your neurotransmitters from that. You'll be fine. Not yeah. everyone needs fermented. And food. sorry, my last one: pickled foods. Good or bad because you pickle stuff in sugar and vinegar. Exactly. So if it's a highly processed pickled food that you're getting in a bottle that is like a name brand, it's not really a pickled food. But if you're doing it yourself, it's okay. So gherkins, pickled cucumber. It's not the end of the world. I not, think I think it's you know, it's part of something if, if it's for taste and it's for texture and it's not you know, you're not eating pickles out of the bottle all day, you're fine. It's not the, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> you don't know some of us. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing that, then you've got to ask why you And your pickled that. ginger? Yeah, fine. Good. It's also got sugar in it, but it's not, it's not, not a bad sugar. But all pickles does have sugar. Yes, in that's, yeah. that's mm. the problem. Nikki, um, fascinating. Thank you. Um, you know what? We wanted to get the message across that you can eat for your brain and that your brain and your gut's connected. So actually, mental health starts with gut health. Oh, for sure. Um, if you want to know more, um, you can contact us at the T Clinic or you can actually contact Nikki Robertson. Nikki, how do we get hold of you? Best way is through my website, reinventhealth.co.za, but okay. I'm all over social media. Okay, we will also have that on our, on our website. And Nikki has a phenomenal book out there. It's called Thrive. Healthy Recipes That Break the Diet Rules. It's available on Take A Lot. It's available at all your leading um, news outlets. Um, <clears throat> and um, do yourself a favor. The food is delicious. 
and it's healthy and you know what it can help you uh, cope with your mental issues as well next week I will be back um, I promised Gareth that I would do a show on erectile dysfunction so sister Elise and I will um, get Aaron and Ryan in the studio and we're going to grill them on <laughs> sexual well-being for men sister Elise are you ready? I'm in <laughs> okay, so until next week, um, we wish you the best in health. Thank you. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.